Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another round of Master Phil in your corner with your host, Master Phil. All right. Yeah. Greetings, everyone. Greetings. Master Phil here with Master Phil in your corner with my trusty sidekick, Dougie Fresh Friedman, here in the undefeated media studios in Wyckoff, New Jersey. So let's thank our sponsors. I think we got to thank these yeah. people because, you know, without without the sponsors, we don't have a show. So we got PhilRoss.com. We know that guy, right? Yeah, pretty good guy. All right, good. good. One-on-one <laughs> uh, -on -one and virtual training through the Kettlebell Workout Library. Over 100 kettlebell and bodyweight-based workouts. Uh, then we also have Survival Strong, Defensive Tactics, Strategies, Combinations, and Responsive Techniques. American Evil Eagle Live with over 200 training videos with kettlebells, bodyweight, martial arts, defensive tactics, knife and stick work, as well as technique education. Only $9.99 per month. I mean, that's a total of like well over 500 yeah. videos. And, you know, uh, and on the... Um, you know, on uh, the American Eagle Live, we put up workouts for the week as well. Live workouts, live workouts. with you. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we also, but also, I put up uh, a programming for the uh, kettlebell bodyweight strength. So nice. every week it's programmed out. You don't have to think. All you got to do is click. Nice. And then we have the secrets. They, uh, I can speak. The secrets <laughs> of kettlebell training. Learn the basic eight kettlebell movements: swing, deadlift, clean, snatch, press, get up. Squat and row, over 100 movements demonstrated and explained in the hard style method of kettlebell training. One time fee, only $69 for full access. Best bang for your buck. Oh, yeah. And the Bodybell Method, the world's only kettlebell body weight and dynamic tension certification based on a minimalist approach to strength, health, and fitness. The system is recognized by both ACE and NASM for continuing education credits and listed on their respective sites. The certifications are available in person or online. We will be doing a live one in Rye, New York uh, in April. I have to uh, solidify the date on that one. It's my Yeah, my daughter's got soccer and uh, basketball now, so I got to schedule my my uh, seminars around her schedule you know how that goes well not yet but you will <laughs> and then of course we have the master fill in your corner podcast which you are listening to now if you happen to miss our live uh, versions and or you want to you know listen to our previous episodes look us up on my youtube channel master fill on rumble master fill as well or our new website that's masterfillinyourcorner.com products for training kettlebells iso chains books all available in our product section, our site on our site under Dragon Door, and the uh, the link is listed on the philross.com. And then uh, join Fit Team for healthy, organic, energy boosting, and weight control supplements. We also have apparel. Join the team, or simply enjoy the products. Contact me to see how to get involved. Fit Team, or just go on the site and sign up. It's right there in our uh, product section on philross.com. Also, burn along. I'm uh, featured instructor there on burn along join me and 2,000 other instructors only 14.95 a month and then coming soon we're about to launch I mean, i'm really excited i've been working on this thing since 2018 it's health is a wealth it's an interactive health fitness and wellness platform read blogs watch videos take surveys with medical health and educational professionals all for free nice yeah so before we get into today's episode, yeah, and what is this? This has got to be episode number fifty-six, right? 
Yeah, it's yeah, up there. Yeah. EP 56, <laughs> yeah. man. We're, we're cranking right along. Um, our special guest today is a pioneer for women's rights. Nice. Oh, yeah. Um, now this uh, I'm talking, this is a, one of the people who start the push okay mm-hmm. a 40 year martial artist fourth degree black belt mm-hmm. and listen i know the system that she comes from it's a very tough system and it's it's no joke mm-hmm. uh she's a former police officer accepted into the fbi academy an owner operator of a family-owned business for over 35 years a motorcycle rider i'm just gonna jump out on a limb here i'm thinking that uh, she rides a low rider uh, so I used to have an X FXL uh, FXDL Dyna Low Rider. Uh, we can talk about that as well. Um, she's an adjunct professor. She graduated from the Bergen uh, 1980 graduate of the Bergen County Police Academy. She graduated from the famous John Jay College of Criminal Justice as cum laude graduate, mm-hmm. and also has a master's degree in sports administration. So. Without any further ado, please welcome Tony Plantamore to Master Phil in Your Corner podcast. Hello, Tony. Hello. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh man, it's a, it's a pleasure. You know, you know, this being um, you know the month of the woman, Women's Month, right? Uh, you know, you have an incredible background. It's befitting to have you here. So you know, um, you have quite a. a quite a, a, an interesting past. Uh, what inspired you to take this path? Uh, actually, when I was young, mm-hmm. I was very athletic. Uh, there was no real venues for women to compete in or young mm-hmm. girls. We were kind of considered like a sideshow almost. I remember when I was in the early 60s joining the first softball teams in my town, and we were known as the Ponytails, the Robins, and the Majorettes. Those were the names of the girls' teams. Um, we always seemed to have relegated to get relegated to fields that were not well kept. Mm-hmm. We didn't really have equipment. This parlayed into high school. There were there were no varsity sports for girls when I was in school. I graduated wow. in 1971. Very frustrated athlete. Um, the year I became a senior, we did have our first varsity softball, basketball, and volleyball team. So I was on my first softball team, varsity, at my high school. But it wasn't organized properly. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we didn't have good equipment. We got relegated to the, uh, you know, not conducive to uh, good times for mm-hmm. field time to practice, to have games And the fields weren't in good uh, shape. It was a totally different time for women who were considered athletic. Uh, We were called tomboys back Mm -hmm. then. Um, It was actually interesting growing up as a girl because I feel it made me tougher Mm -hmm. because I was I would play outside with the boys all the time. And Uh, we had woods and the parents wouldn't be there. you know, fighting your battles where you really had to be kind of tough. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Said so, you, you know, you had this this drive, this this yearning to be an athlete, and there wasn't really outlets for women, or or many outlets for women. And I want to see, you know, what you know what you did, but you answered that you just go out there and play with the boys in the neighborhood and and learn from them and work with them and compete against them and so forth. And you know, I mean that, like you said, does make it pretty tough. 
I remember uh, I started running on my own. We didn't have track or anything in high school for girls. I didn't really get involved into running until I was around 19 or 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a pretty rebellious teenage years. I was at Woodstock at 16 years old. I was only there for two days. I left because <laughs> Woodstock was a mess. Yeah, It wasn't all it was cracked up to be. It was muddy. It was rainy. Um, but I left, but I kind of settled down at 19 and I mm-hmm. realized I got to do something better. And I had this drive to succeed, but there were so many avenues that were cut off uh, that I don't think young girls now, uh, young women coming up really do understand, uh, not just me, I'm not saying me only, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but my generation and women that are older than me, the opportunities just were not there. They were not there. Um, Like I said, when I started running, uh, it was something new. I remember trying to get even running clothes Mm. in a women's department stores, and they didn't even have women's running shorts. They didn't have women's running shoes. I remember the first sneaker that I had to buy uh, to run was uh, I started running long distance Mm -hmm. and it was Nike waffle trainers. Those were the first (laughs) ones. And I had to go to the men's department because I couldn't find any women's long distance running shoes. Mm -hmm. If they were out there, we didn't have anything online. You had to go to the store. No online. (laughs) And and there was uh, limited access to what you could get. I even like I said, I couldn't find shorts. Mm-hmm. There, there wasn't even the apparel for women to buy. So I settled on men's clothing a yeah. lot of times just to get things to fit me. Uh, and they, a lot of times they were too big. So, so let me, uh, you, you know, cause I, I know you ran in a couple of marathons, right? You ran the New York and the Boston, right? Yes. I ran, um, in 1976, mm-hmm. uh, the New York city marathon, which qualified me for the Boston marathon. Wow. They didn't even have enough awards and stuff. But again, I have to, I have, it, the times were different. Yeah. There weren't as many women running as the men. Sure. So they had limited awards. I came in ninth thinking I was going to get some kind of award, but yeah. it didn't go to the ninth place. Yeah. But I got ninth and then that qualified me for Boston where I came in 11th. Mm. I wow. ran some other marathons, but I really started concentrating more in the shorter distance, mm-hmm. anything from 10,000 meter up to 15 miles. Mm-hmm. And one year because of my time for uh, New York city, I was in a runner's magazine as one of a, uh, I was there as a uh, national qualifier, yeah, yeah. but there were women that were better than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now if I competed, first of all, I couldn't compete because running on the roads all those years <sighs> and my martial arts background is not kind on your joints. So you have to compensate uh, for that. You can't do everything you want to do yeah, when you right get older. You. Yeah, you I, know I, that. Yep, I don't run. That's behind me. <laughs> pounding on the pavement definitely yeah. takes a toll on your knees and your hips. Yeah, so yeah. I had to like back off from that. But I ran for about 30 years like that. Wow. And on my own. Now, I used to love to run too, um, you know, just to clear my head. And it was a great way to, you know, stay in condition. But years, like I said, years of martial arts training and other things I've done, you know, kind of really beat up my joints. And like, I, it was funny. I wouldn't get hurt doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which, you know, is pretty rough. Oh, yeah. I'd get hurt when I went out running. <laughs> yeah. like, What's going on here? I'm just going for a jog. <laughs> it's the pavement and yep. the concrete. Yeah. And it's yeah. not kind on your feet, Mm-mm. your knees, your hips. Mm-hmm. And I don't see how people do it into our age brackets. Oh. 
where they continuously pound the pavement yeah. like that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't get it either. I don't get it either. You, you know, you brought up uh, some some interesting points. Um, you know, a lot of women were not involved. So there wasn't a lot of competition. Now, do you think that was just because it was so difficult to get involved in the sport that, that precluded women from uh, wanting to get involved or even pursuing that avenue because there's so many roadblocks up? Um, I think yes. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the roadblocks made it difficult. Um, but I also think I'm going to say something probably women don't want to hear, but mm -hmm. I've always been driven to succeed. Yeah. Um, I've never really let anything, but the roadblock there um, stop me from what I thought I really wanted to do. But I do think that a lot of women over the decades have shortchanged themselves to be more su successful because a lot of women, um, they, they seem to be driven and then all of a sudden they meet some a man, they want to get married, have children, and then they give up everything that they wanted for the sake of marriage and children. Mm. And um, they've even get, given up their jobs. And I think it's a really, it's not a fair thing to do mm -hmm. because then they're the ones that are out. Maybe social security is as good. Mm -hmm. uh, their overall earnings are less than men over the years. I don't know what the exact balance is there, but I've always thought that corporate America should have been more uh, open arms as far as uh, men having some kind of consideration for child rearing and all mm. that. I know that's happening it's now, happening now big but time. it was not like that. <laughs> oh, back I then. Know. I it know. was not. I and I refuse to give up anything for mm. the sake of marriage or a man, because I knew that, that I was driven to succeed. You, you know, uh, to me, you can find a balance. You know, um, you know, my wife is very active. She's got a corporate job. She's, uh, you know, very into fitness and so forth. And you have to strike a balance. Um, and I think that's a lot of times people kind of miss that. That's why I see a lot of people getting stressed out and needing all these, you know, you know I listen to these uh, corporate coaches and so forth, you know, to see what they're, what they're doing. And I, I mean, it's, it's kind of simple. Find a balance, find yourself and set your priorities. Um, I think it can be done, but uh, as we discussed, as you brought up that it's a lot different now, because I see the, you know, the maternity and paternity leave is, is, is quite um, generous. <laughs> I, I think, you know, you know well, some of these, some of these large corporations are giving like, you know, five and six months off. Which well, I'm like, wow. I took a week off. <laughs> well, when I was a police officer, um, uh, when I was on that path and I became a police officer, I had yeah. a, just, I'm only commenting because what you said, um, I had a five-year court battle in federal court because for sex discrimination against law enforcement. And that was something that um, was brand new. Yeah. To this day, I believe I was the only woman in federal court uh, in the state of New Jersey that filed a lawsuit for sex discrimination and won. The other thing I wanted to comment on when you talked about paternity, mm -hmm. um, when I became pregnant as a police officer, um, I got married and got pregnant. I go, what do you do with pregnant cops? Uh, that was something that I wasn't afforded the opportunity either. I was told I couldn't use my sick time, which is accumulated sick time, which right, is a violation right. of federal law. Mm -hmm. I was not allowed to report to work in uniform and work. I was not allowed to get paid. Uh, I didn't even know what my status was when I informed the chief after about three and a half months that I was pregnant. It was something new 
and uh, make a long story short, because I don't, you probably have other things you want to talk about too, but um, I basically uh, was, ended up leaving the police department after Mm -hmm. all these barriers were put up. Mm -hmm. And I was contacted by the state um, assembly down in Trenton, the politicians, and they introduced a bill in my name that everybody now knows as the Family Leave and Maternity Act. That is my bill that was introduced in my name to afford women in uh, jobs, especially hazardous jobs, some Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. opportunity to stay on the job and get paid. I was told originally when I told my chief of police Mm -hmm. that I was a uh, pregnant, I had a good rapport with him. He told me he would take me off the road and reassign me to his desk job, which is what they do a lot. Mm -hmm. But this was something that was out in the open and they I think they had a beef with me because of the first lawsuit and they didn't want to accommodate me with this. Mm. So it really was involved. Like it's a, it was a really big case at the time. As a matter of fact, uh, the federal government, I understand even looked to the case Mm -hmm. that happened to me to go more national. So it was a test case and they still, to this day, I might be wrong, but I don't believe there's any, definite laws on what do you do to answer the question of women that work in hazardous jobs? What do you do them to the, uh, for them when they become pregnant? Mm. They reassign them, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's a written law on what you do with women in hazardous jobs that become pregnant. Yeah. I, I don't know that if somebody else knows that, please contact us. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I don't want to glance over this. I don't want to glaze over this at all um, because this is very interesting. Now your first to get on the police force, what kind of barriers were put up that you had to address and you had to overcome? Well, there's probably about anywhere from five to 10 police departments Mm -hmm. in Bergen County that I could have sued. I didn't know that at the time, but when I look back, I had folders of papers on letters that I received that were condescending. Um, I'm not going to curse on the air, but I will tell you that I walked into one of the uh, police departments in 1975 and uh, I went in there to get an application for a police officer and uh, a chief of police came out and heard me talking and he said to me, "Uh, what do you want? And I said, I'm here to get that application that was advertised in the paper for a police officer. And he goes, first of all, that advertisement said patrol man. And he said, we don't hi- hire police officers here. We only hire patrolmen. And it'll be a cold day in hell before I hire a female. And I get the F out of here. So that was told to me by one police chief. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did take a test in another town, the physical physical agility test. Mm -hmm. Part of it was you had to run a mile under eight minutes. Mm -hmm. So I was there with about, I believe it was about a hundred men, maybe a Mm -hmm. little more. And there were actually chiefs of police from Burton County that came there, I think, to see me, to see if I could run. And they were putting bets that I was not going to succeed to run a mile under eight minutes. So I kept my mouth shut. And I, they, I remember one of them came up to me and they go, sweetie, when do you want to run? And I go, this sweetie would like to run whenever you want. I prefer maybe to go at the end. And I did. And I believe I came in first that day after all the uh, heats. <laughs> and I was so irritated, but I didn't show it. 
and mm -hmm. ma so mad. I believe that day I ran a, I ran a sub six minute mile, which I had never run before. <laughs> and then I said, at the end, I said, you bet on the wrong girl here. I said, just so you know, a, a mile to me is nothing because I run 26 mile marathons. <laughs> But I didn't let them know that at the time. <laughs> and then there, I had height and weight requirements that I didn't meet in another department. Mm -hmm. And that stuff was eventually thrown out because of my lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And it was all to get around the fact that I wasn't as heavy as a male would be at that mm -hmm. height right. and weight. Which is not going to happen. But these were the barriers. Right. Um, right. There's so many of them that were out there. And I didn't even realize what the barriers were until I started investigating and mm -hmm. looking into why is this happening to me? As yeah. a matter of fact, I applied, uh, I, I put in a, um, a complaint with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which mm -hmm. is what you have to do. You have to file a complaint first mm -hmm. uh, for some kind of civil rights thing violation. And right. I didn't really know this stuff. I was only 21 when this started. Yeah. And I just kind of followed this path. And I remember my parents and people in the industry said, well, you're never going to find a job because you're going to be ostracized and blackballed. I go, I'm never going to find a job anyway, because nobody wants females. There aren't any in Bergen County that I know mm -hmm. of. Mm -hmm. So um, I just kind of plotted along. Mm -hmm. And after a year and a half, two years, I think it was, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. At that time, I, I do not understand the organization now mm -hmm. or the civil rights commissions. Yeah. I don't think they go to bat for all Americans. They go no. to bat for only certain categories of political groups. But at that time, they were very well organized and their research they did. And they came out with a folder of all these things that were done that were wrong mm -hmm. and um, basically illegal. Yeah. And I didn't even know it until that complaint, that report came out. And, I, and then once you get a report mm -hmm. from an organization like that, then you can then proceed into court. And that's what I did. I took it to a federal court. And wow. I had a very famous judge over here in my case that had something to do with uh, the Holocaust in Germany, I think at one time, his name was Ju Judge Herbert Stern. He was a very well-known federal judge. I had to go to Newark. And um, it, it's a long involved thing. I know yeah. we don't have time to speak about everything, but yeah. I have folders and folders of files about that case. Wow. That's the first case. And it was all over national news. Yeah. It reached all, all the way out to California. I have relatives out there that sent me stuff from the paper. Yeah. So yeah, I saw some of those clippings, uh, you know, but, you know, the thing is that, that, what I'm looking at the struggles that you went through. Okay. Um, and now I see how it's kind of the pendulum swung way to the other, other side, because now I even see that standards have been lowered, uh, you know, uh, just for the, uh, just for the um, police test. A lot of women were complaining that uh, the, the, the test to, to, to get into the Academy, you have to do a uh, what's it? a mile and a half run in 1555 you have to do a vertical jump of 15 inches and what's that that's about the two risers in a stair <laughs> um and then uh they were complaining about the uh 24 push-ups was too much now 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you probably had to do a lot more than that in order to get in. And, 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 and to me, uh, you know, a police officer, you should be able to do so. If you can't do 24 push-ups and you're supposed to break up a fight or arrest somebody, I don't think you're going to be able to pull it off. But that's just one example. I mean, what do you, what do you think about the lowering of the standards to allow certain people in and, and so forth, especially going through what you went through? <laughs> um, I think when you're young, you should be able to do 24 push-ups. The other side of that, though, is because of my age now, um, I also know that if you can't do a full press military push-up, I've even seen men do them wrong. Mm -hmm. You're going to hurt your back. So for me, I would, I would all say that if you're going to allow women to do a push-up, let's say from even a kneeling position, they should have to do at least a hundred extra on top of the 24. If you're going to do it from a kneeling position, I'm almost 70 years old and I can do about two to 300 kneeling push-ups. And some students in my classes I'm sorry, but they can't, I'm not saying you have to keep up with me, but if I'm, you're 19 or 20 years old and I'm almost 70 and you can't even do at least like 20 regular style military push-ups, um, at least drop to your knees and be able to do at least a hundred of them at your age. I think, I think, um, when you're young, the, uh, standard is from knees alone, men should be able to do at least 65 and women 35. And for me, that's nothing. So the standards have been lowered, but mm -hmm. there's also ways that I think that you can also save the body mm -hmm. so that you don't um, injure your body. Mm -hmm. But the women who are asking to get back to your point of lowering standards, I believe that they're lowering standards for every single thing that involves physicality. And I do not think it is correct because ultimately you have to you might have to be alone somewhere and you might have to, they might have to count on only you. The other thing though, that I also see is being a martial artist, mm -hmm. you don't have to fight power with power all the right. time. You can deflect it. So I have a different attitude mm -hmm. and all that stuff mm -hmm. than most people would maybe with our, without our background, mm -hmm. there's a way to fight power where you could circle around it. Mm -hmm. So it's like a double-edged sword, that question to me, because, yeah. but I just know that, I had certain things that I had to do and to run a mile, you said in a mile and a, a half in 15 minutes, anybody, almost 16. Almost 16. <laughs> okay. Well, anybody, should, in my opinion, being a, a, a runner myself, anybody should be able to do that if they're in shape to take that further though. I don't think it's fair that once you get on the job, you don't have to take a standardized physical test, agility test, once you become a police officer or a firefighter, because a lot of t towns do not require it, right. and the standards go down, mm -hmm. and it's like, uh, okay, so this guy was in shape for like the physical agility test, but a year later, out of shape, they should have physical agility test standard in every single police department. I don't know what it does in 2022, what the standards are. I just know that there should be physical requirements that they have to meet every year as a police officer, according to age, according to age. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, there are standards set yearly testing for the state police. That's why you don't really see a, a chubby state police officer, right? They're, they're no, all, they're all in shape. All in shape. shape. 
exactly. Those guys so, and you know, women. Yes. Uh, and I saw some very impressive women at the State Police Academy, the last one I was invited to uh, the graduation. Um, but, you know, you, you brought up the knee push-ups. For me, if you do knee push-ups, it's a zero in my book because you should, especially a young person, should be able to do a full push-up unless they have something physically wrong with them that, you know, they're, you know, they're very injured, they have some deformity or something. You should be able to do push-ups. You should be able to do standard push-ups. Uh, you know, the, the, the state of physicality of people in the United States is abysmal. Um, and they have to take some pride in being able to move your body and, and you know, know your body. And, you know, doing knee push-ups, I'll tell you, if someone does knee push-ups, and I, 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 we've never spoken about this before. No. If someone does knee push-ups, two years from now, guess what they're still doing? Knee push-ups. Knee push-ups. <laughs> they, don't, they don't graduate to the full ones. The best one, the best thing to do is basically two ways. Either start on an angle and then decrease the angle or also do the, uh, what I call um, the ground-up push-up. You're on the, on, the, on the floor and then boom. So, uh, you know, you bring your hands in and loaded pushups. So they, they tend to help out. But um, real quick, yeah, go, go even a step further. I remember doing the presidential in school. Yep. Wa- the kids who walk the mile, it, it was a 12 minute walk. Yeah, I know. Walking the mile. So, yeah. like, you know, I mean, yeah, put whatever way you want to do your pushups, you should be able to do 20 regular pushes, but <laughs> you walk them, you stroll the kids who didn't care and just walk. Right. They would mile, make it in 12 miles. 12, 12, minutes. 12 minutes. So, yeah. a mile and a half, 15 minutes. I mean, come on. You're it's just not, uh, almost 16, 15, 55. Yeah. Man, okay. That's on. that's ridiculous. If you can't do that, you should not be a police officer. Do something else. That's what, you know, we did discuss <laughs> that before. Do something else. Another podcast that we did. Um, so, now, like, you know, there's women of today. Do you think that they really know the struggles that you went through, or do you think they kind of take it for granted a little bit and don't take full advantage of the the groundwork that you laid and and the and the women from your era laid to and open these doors for them to uh, you know be police officers, be on the fire department, do high risk work. Uh, I I don't think many girls, young girls, young teens, uh, young women from this era now appreciate or understand or have any idea of what people my age and older struggled to get to where we are. I have been introduced to police women over the years by people who remember me from the old days. And I'm telling you the truth. I would say I'm just taking if there were 10 that I was introduced, nine of them did not care. They did not seem to be interested in anything that maybe I would comment on. Yeah. I was not engaged or asked to engage with conversations with some young police women um, because this generation coming up has been handed so many things and they have not had it tough enough to understand the struggles in real life. So in a way you could say good for them because they didn't have to struggle, but I feel almost sad for them because they don't understand the plight of others. I don't believe they're teaching history properly anymore. Um, I don't feel that they're hard enough on getting these kids in physical shape. And I blame a lot of this on technology. Mm -hmm. Uh, during COVID, these kids 
we're supposed, everybody was supposed to, what about the kids? What about the kids? Yeah, what about the kids? All along, I said to myself, this is not right that kids should not be doing something physical. Mm -hmm. Look at us at school. We were online. I was doing self-defense, body conditioning, and weight training classes online. I mean, we were all doing that. I said, but I know I would get upset and get irritated when I opened up and my web page was open and I'm looking at students who were in bed. And I'm like, no, you will not be lying in bed. And then they took, they actually sent me, I had them videotape themselves yeah. for a part of their um uh, their exam mm -hmm. for their final because you can't really see them. No, no, no. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and and they would be taking an exam of a list of exercises I wanted to see in order to grade them properly, mm -hmm. and they wouldn't even have shoes on. So I'm like, I didn't even realize that I I had to remind you to make sure you have a pair of sneakers on, <laughs> and to have some kind of pride to get in front of a a, a camera and do a proper exam, um, but. No, to get back to your question, mm -hmm. I do not believe that women these days understand the struggles of what we went through. And I think I blame some of that on academia, too, mm -hmm. and even high school and elementary schools, because mm -hmm. they try and soften the curve for all these right. kids now. And they're not hard enough. And the parents think that their kid does no wrong, a lot of them, and they 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 don't let them feel any kind of pain at all. And they try and make their world a lot more cushy. And I didn't have that. I didn't have that. I'm not saying I was raised in certain part of the country where um, people have a tougher. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at the plight of what's going on in Ukraine now, I have nothing to complain about. But I haven't had students, even in school, I've been, my class now, I ask them, do they even talk about things like this? And they say, no, nobody's talking about this. It's almost like you want to, you don't want to make kids feel bad. And I think it's really sad because sometimes you need to feel bad. So you understand the plight of others who struggle for you. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, they have to have an appreciation for the, 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 the people that came for them before them, the predecessors that, that laid this groundwork that made their lives, their vocations possible because without pioneers, it doesn't happen. And, you know, they, they, they you know, and, and, and I'll tell you, one of the things I see too, is that without this struggle, people become very soft because if they're not challenged, how are they going to handle adversity when it comes up? I mean, look, I know you can handle adversity. I know I can handle adversity because you know what we've been, you know, uh, battle tested. And, you know, I see that sometimes when these kids are not battle tested, when they get in their first situation, they collapse. Um, you know, you know, it's like, what are we as a society going to do about that? And how do we handle that? Well, one step further, mm -hmm. Phil, um, I look at all this as a national security risk. When you have the youth of America, I think I read a older article just in my class yesterday mm -hmm. about uh, the percentage of, and it was a couple of years ago, it's mm -hmm. probably about 30% now of ch of kids between the ages of 17, 17 to 24, 24. Yep. are considered obese or overweight. And unfit. And unfit, even... where they can't even pass the physical rigors of a, a, a physical test in the military. The, the entrance exam. They the can't pass the exam. entrance exam. 
And then they have a lot of uh, people that enter into the military mm -hmm. and they, because they can't keep up with the standards, they are, they have to uh, get rejected. Yeah. And, and then they too. have to spend more money in order to train more people. So to me, this is a national security risk. Absolutely. If you have kids that are not getting proper nutrition, they are not eating correctly. They are not being educated correctly. They're being online virtual learning. I don't think it is a good thing. Um, I think it's better to be in a classroom environment so you have more exchange and stuff. Uh, we had to do that because of COVID. I'm glad we're back in the classroom. But when you have all this dumbing down, I don't understand how we're going to protect this country from evil in the future. And I tell these kids now, if we're going to be dead, our generation. Right. You're going to be in charge. Yeah. And I said, not everybody is peace and love. And I came from <laughs> the 60s and I know I learned real early at 19 years old that everybody is not peace, love and harmony. Yeah. Yeah. And there's evil out there and they mean us evil. And if you guys don't step up to the plate and you're not in good shape and you're not getting the right education, forget about the wokeness that they concentrate on and the CRT in classroom and all the <laughs> PC stuff. I said, these kids need a proper education so they understand the struggles and the history of everything that's great in this country. And it irritates me when I hear about people bad-mouthing everything about this country. It really irritates me. I'm right with you. you and know that it's, you know, people have to understand that you know, just the fact that you can speak out against this country makes us so unique. You see what's happening in in uh, in Russia when people are protesting in Russia about uh, against against what's going on in Ukraine. They're getting locked up. They're getting locked up. That doesn't happen here. You know, these people have to understand the freedoms that they have here. And you know, the other thing is, freedom isn't free. You have to, and in order to be free, you have to be strong. Because you got to protect that freedom. And, you know, I fear that, you know, with all these other countries moving ahead of us and we're sitting here, not, you know, we've dropped in, we've dropped our standards. I mean, if you look at it right now, we're 38th in math and 24th in science in the world. We used to be number one. And, you know, these other countries are passing us up and we're deciding how many bathrooms we have to put in the school. I mean, I, you know, Let's let's get real. Well, I just I just heard yesterday that all the COVID relief money that went out for education, mm -hmm. a lot of that money was spent on ballparks, pickleball courts, all this stuff because it had to do with activity. But it's like I thought it was supposed to go to educating the kids. I don't understand what's going on here. I just think that our kids are falling behind and we're going to oh, pay yeah. for it as a society and a nation. Mm -hmm. And nobody's really talking about that. They're more interested in wokeness, CRT. It, it is not correct because I think the rest of the world is laughing at us right oh, now. Yeah. I do. Oh, yeah. And I, I, we're doing a disservice to the youth of America. And I yeah. think there's a lot of kids out there that feel like this and they just kind of roll their eyes because they've been, uh, they 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 think that they can't speak up right, and they they're get shy and they're going to be chastised yes. from their peers and from mm -hmm. academia or or right. parents what whatever it is yeah. and I I I think there's a lot of good out there in the kids and they just need to be guided correctly yeah. with better role models right this is one of the reasons that we do this podcast because 
I want to get the word out there. Tell these people that they're not alone. You know, uh, it just it, it just bringing up another hot topic. You know, uh, Title IX. One of the main thrusts of Title IX was what was to give women, the pioneers like you, because you didn't have advantage of Title IX. Okay, no, I graduated in '71. Title right. IX came out in '72. So, you know, this Title IX was there so women would be able to enjoy, reap the benefits of athletic competition, athletic endeavors. Um, and now they're allowing guys to compete in women's events. Like, you know, just the, the, you know, the, the swimmer, Leah Thompson, six foot four. That's a big guy. A six foot four guy is a big guy. Now he's competing with these women because it identifies as transgender female. I mean, look, that's like saying, you know, my motorcycle uh, identifies as a bicycle and I go on the tour de France, you know, I mean, just, you look at just the size difference. I mean, that's such a huge advantage. You know, it's, you're you're not putting them in, you know, you're still doing 50 meters or a hundred meters. You didn't shorten the meters for the women because they're shorter. No. So, uh, you know, I, now uh, being someone Do you want who, me to comment on that, take the ball and run with it. <laughs> well, I have a couple of notes here because I didn't want to forget about no, what I said on no. this topic. If you did touch this topic, first of all, I feel super sorry for the girls and women that are competing right now. The solution for me mm-hmm. is not really what anybody would want to do, mm-hmm. but first of all, Biology to me is real. Yes. You have a Supreme Court justice that is being grilled in front of the Senate Mm -hmm. and certain House of Representatives right now. Um, And she was asked a question, what defines a woman? And she wouldn't even answer it. This is going to be a Supreme Court justice. She won't. You you can't define what a woman is. Yeah. I I, I, I don't understand. I just don't <laughs> understand it. OK, it makes absolutely no sense. None. You know what a woman is. You just don't want to answer the question because you want to satisfy your base. OK, um, men can't become women by declaring that they are female if they have male genitalia. You can't. I don't know. I don't know in science and research where it says that in biology. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, Biological sex to me is fixed at birth. If you decide to transition, that's another case. But from what I understand, I might be wrong. Mm -hmm. Leah, well, you spoke about Leah uh, uh, Thomas. That's the person's name. Yeah. It's biologically a male. Yes. Okay. And the women, the women have an issue with that because they have to get changed in the same locker room as Leah. And they are offended by that. They don't want to shower with this person. Um, and they, as from what I saw, they also all, all of them signed all 16 members of the team signed a, a letter that they don't want this person on their team. I mean, the only way to me that this is going to get stopped is if all women decide, Hey, listen, we're not, we're going to boycott. We're not doing it. We're not going to go compete in the sports that, and, we, and we strike. That's, that's exactly way. what I feel. Yeah. Every single woman who competes either amateur or, mm-hmm. or professional sports right now should get together and say, we're not competing until you resolve this issue. Cause if they don't have any 
um, if they don't have any competitions, coaches, schools, what are they going to do? They're going to have to address the issue. Right. As, as far as I'm concerned, I'm glad that you're asking me that question. Mm -hmm. I have nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. People really don't know who I am because we didn't have the opportunities, but the girls do now. Yes. And I get really irritated knowing the struggles that me and other women went mm -hmm. when we had no sports, who were super athletic girls, who finally got opportunities. And now you're putting a roadblock in front of us that you're allowing biological males compete with women in sports that they work their butts off for to attain that kind of um, uh, competence. No, you, you either band, girls you band together or call people like me who had to go through these struggles. And all the, I'm asking myself, where are all the women that I trained with, that I ran with, that I did martial arts with? All these women that competed. I know Martina uh, Navratilova spoke up and now she's ostracized, ostracized by the gay community. Why? She, she, First of all, she's gay. She's gay. I, I don't understand <laughs> it. I really don't understand what's going on here. I just know as a female who had no opportunity, who fought to get opportunity. Now you're going to throw a roadblock in front of females that they mm -hmm. have to compete with biological males. Shame on you, coaches. Shame on you, all the institutions. Mm -hmm. Shame on the International Olympic Committee. They're all wishy-washy because everybody's afraid they're going to step on somebody's toes. Well, damn it, step on somebody's toes. Put it in its place. Stop this garbage. Mm -hmm. And give women the due. I don't want to compete with a biological man. First of all, I know my principles and I know me. If you stuck a biological man in front of me when I was competing after all those barriers I had to go through, I'd say, okay, I'm not competing. I'm not competing until he has this. I, I don't know what the solution is. I think maybe they should have their own category. That's what. That's one thing I propose too, is that, you know what, you want to do it to a gender neutral category gender neutral if you so, have females that want to compete with biological go ahead, males go, go ahead, ahead go but ahead. don't throw it in yep. a in women's competition and say that they're the same they yep. have fair, higher uh, more fast twitch muscles yep. they have a greater lung capacity they have uh more testosterone which makes them biological males yep. okay and they have a um um i don't know i also, wrote they're larger I mean, you look at just size, cardiovascular, cardiovascular system, vascular, yeah. larger bone structure, right. density. They are biologically male. You cannot, you cannot dumb this down and say everybody should have a chance. Well, if every, I don't, if everybody should have a chance, make sure that you have categories that can compete with that is fair. This is called fairness. It right. is not fair that girls that are getting put roadblocks in front of them now at this stage in, in 2022 they really need to look about the history of women in sports mm -hmm. and um there's a very interesting film i was in a film that made back in 1976 mm -hmm. called the history of women in sports mm -hmm. and um it got awards but it was never mainstreamed it was shown on channel uh, PBS, I think at the time and channel Chilter. five. Okay. Um, and it had the history of women in sports and all the struggles. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should show that film now. Yeah. Or the, the, I, sh I showed it at college when I formed panels of, mm -hmm. uh, with the super, uh, pioneers. And so wait, sports. let's say that what's the name of that show. So people can check it out. Well, it's called the history of women in sports. 
uh, it was a film made that they used the footage from the 1976 marathon that I competed in, mm -hmm. in New York City. Yeah. And they showed the backdrop of us running as female athletes in that race at yeah. that time. And then they would flash back to the old times. It was a very well done film that mm -hmm. nobody really knows about. I yeah. have copies of it. And sometimes I show it to my classes. If it, if it uh, is relevant to the topic we're talking about, not, not, I'm sorry, okay. not to show me, but it's kind of interesting to see me cool. at 26 years old or 24, yeah. <laughs> whatever I was running, but it's to show the plight of what women had to go through. Yeah. And it, the time that that film was made in 76, mm -hmm. they didn't even include the all professional girls baseball league because they didn't even know about it that league was not even known until penny marshall made that made film movie, uh, uh, the league uh, of their own the league of their own yeah, yes yeah, yeah. but it's a very well done film and it looks uh now the film itself uh wasn't it was on vhs and stuff at the yeah. time i have a vhs is it on youtube um i'm not even sure i think the film company was called Janus, J-A-N-U-S, I think. Mm -hmm. I didn't bring it in. I should have checked before. I, yeah. I didn't even know sure. I was going to bring it up, but I'm just bringing it up because yeah. it shows the plight of women right, right. and what they had to go through. And I think it's really a shame that they are all so concerned about whose feelings they're going to well, hurt. Well, let me tell you, here, but you, you have to look at this. You have, there's a very minuscule percentage of of transgender athletes, okay. Um, I think they but, say it's less than one half of one percent yeah, of it's, the it's, entire it's, world population. Is, is and look, I, I have nothing against it. So that's what you want to do. God bless you. You know what? People, are, everyone's wired differently, but that's not the point. That's not the point. And and when when people speak out against it, you have to just not get sucked into that and not be afraid to say what needs to be said. You know, I'm more I'm concerned about. Here you got, you know, if anyone has been, ever been a Division One athlete, and I know that, you know, Doug was, I was, and how hard it is to be a Division One athlete in college. My wife was as well. So, you, you know, now to have your opportunity to succeed robbed because of something that is so unfair. I mean, honestly, I can't even believe we have to address this. Why are we even speaking about this right now? We I shouldn't be. This should be a non-issue. I mean, you know, uh, you know, it just on a, 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 you know, we have twenty thousand genes in our body, right? And men and women differ on sixty-five hundred of them. So you can't change, you know, you can't change on a cellular level by taking body parts off and sticking fake ones on. You know, it's it's impossible. Okay, and and you know what? Again, my heart goes out to people who are troubled like this. But you know what? My heart goes out more to the people who have sacrificed their lives to compete. Listen, my daughter, my older daughter, has five powerlifting records, two in Florida and three in, in New Jersey. And I asked her straight up, I go, if you had to compete against you know, transgender, would you do it? She goes, no. She'd never win. She'd never win anything. She'd have no records. And what's going to happen to all the records? What's going to happen to all the opportunities for women that they deserve to have competing in their in their level playing field which when the tail when the uh, scales just got tipped to the other way well i think there's a distortion of biology now where they're trying to make everything equal or equitable and equitable what's yeah, that <laughs> I, I don't know what that means i just know that men and women are different biologically and you mm -hmm. can't change that because you think it should be changed right and it and 
in fairness for competition, you I believe that women should be biological women should compete against biological women, yep. biological men should compete against biological men. And if you're transgender, form a separate class to make it. Uh, uh, and I don't see. And the other side of that is um, I don't see a lot of women trying to compete in the NFL. <laughs> Well, did anybody ask women that question? Do, would you ever want to compete against a 300-pound guy in the NFL? Like, do you really think that you're going to stand up, like, muscular-wise? You got – they have more testosterone. They have more muscle. Uh, I, I don't see women clamoring to compete in men's sports. So somebody should ask that question at a high level. Yeah. NCAA, all that. Why don't you see women trying to – because they know that they're not going to win or have chance. But biological men know that biology, according to biology, they might have a good chance if they're ranked number 400 and something. I think this Leah 462. Thompson, 462. But maybe I'll have a better chance. And the whole environment now supports me. Um, so I would have a better chance competing against women. So where are all the coaches? Where are all the college universities? Where are all the high schools saying, this is not fair. It's a question of fairness. This is yeah. not fair. And it's not fair to women who have worked their butts off to get to where they are. And the University of Pennsylvania, I'm going to call you out right now if you're listening on this podcast. Why Leah Thompson is competing there, was competing there. I don't know what her status is there right now. Where were all the coaches and stuff in school to say, to take a stand and say, no, we're not letting you compare. You're a biological man. You compete with men. You cannot compete with the women. And all the girls on the team, you should have just banded together and say, okay, we're not swimming anymore yeah. until you settle this. We're not competing. You have no women's teams, no women's teams as far as competition at this level at your university for us. We're not competing. Girls, if you're out there, you need to band together or call on people like me that'll speak up for you because I got nothing to lose anymore. I'm not competing anymore. Maybe one day when I hit 70 soon, maybe I'll go into senior Olympics or something. I don't know <laughs> in something, but I don't have a chance with the young girls now. And, you know, that's just the way biology is. As that's biology. Age, as we age, we lose we, muscle mass. We yep. lose bone we density. Slow down. We slow down. We have aches and pains. Yep. <laughs> Youth of America doesn't think that, but I remind them one day you will be as old as us. So steroids, <laughs> ster steroids is, a, is a big thing, right? You, you, you can't have a certain amount of testosterone. Why not classify these by levels of testosterone? Because I'm sure there's levels of testosterone that women can't reach. And I'm sure there's low levels of testosterone or quarter zone or whatever that men can't reach right i'm sure a man can't get yeah. to a certain level lowness you want me to tell you something it's silly oh yeah okay oh, so no, you know no, no, i don't, no, I don't, no, I don't, I don't want to give i don't even want to give it that much Absolutely credence right. to like go oh, oh measure testosterone levels you know what you were born a male you compete there okay um if you if 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 you want to create a a genderless or gender neutral or all you know whatever division great but you know what these women deserve the opportunity to compete with people in their uh, of their peers they need to compete with their peers they don't need to have someone coming in and cheating them out of what they do okay true uh, it's you know look i i'm all about meritocracy and i don't care you know what it is it's about meritocracy if you can do it great but you know what 
these that is cheating. You are coming in at uh, at a level that you shouldn't be. Because like here, I I, w- I wonder why um, you know the uh, uh, USADA or WADA don't get involved in this because you know what, this is an unfair advantage caused by an outside an outside um, influence. Okay. Uh, for a, a biological male to compete against women. That's an unfair advantage. It's not in the spirit of good sport, not in the spirit of fairness. So, and it meets two of the three criteria for it. So. I don't even you know. know how we got to this point. Yeah. I, I don't even know where it Oh, came I do. From. I do. You know why? Because people are woke and not awake. Okay. You need to become awake, not woke. You got to become awake to what's going on. Because like you said, you know what? I'm worried about our country. I'm worried about the future of our children. I'm worried about where we're going. And we keep going this way. It's not I think the rest of the world, the, the countries that mean us evil and want to take us out, I think they're laughing because mm-hmm. at us. Because while we're all concerned about this PC culture now, they're, they're, all great nations eventually collapse because when you get to the top, you're partying hardy. Mm-hmm. You're not paying attention to really the things that you need to pay attention because you're on top. Mm-hmm. So you're feeling good. Yep. And all great empires eventually topple because the people on the top aren't paying attention. Mm-hmm. And there's somebody on the bottom that wants to take you out and be number one. Yep. And I believe that if this country continues on this path of political uh, political correctness and wokeness, we will not be the number one free country anymore. Nope. And I think it's r- a real shame that people that mean, uh, um, that care about this country and really love this country, um, aren't getting that message out more and they're not yeah. speaking up more. They're all, they're, they're even afraid some people to speak uh-huh. up. And, and I want to say one more thing about mm-hmm. corporate America. Mm-hmm. I came from a family business, mm-hmm. a franchise family business, 70 years in business. I am a wealth of information when it comes to businesses. I could, I could probably be on stage for about five or six hours and never be quiet about business. Shame on the corporate world, too. And I am, was part of corporate America via a franchise that I owned, five of them my family for 70 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I had it out with uh, two corporations on the phone with their media company because of their wokeness about how they have to retrain some of their uh, employees for being too aggressive. Uh, I don't want to go into too much, um, but a lot of these companies do things now because it looks politically correct. Right. And I want to put a good word out for the president of Goya Foods. Because that guy has a backbone. Yes. And shame on corporate America who they don't remember who made them wealthy. Right. Their base of their customers. Mm -hmm. And now they're calling out some of those people after decades and decades of making them a wealthy corporation. They'll say whatever they have to say in order to be considered politically correct. Shame on them. They should have taken a stand, all these corporations, and did the right thing and include everybody instead of being woke. I can't stand it. I hate corporate America now. You hear me out there in corporate America? You can't stand mom and pop shops anymore. Everything was 
during COVID was to keep bigger, uh, the bigger box stores and all the higher end things in in the, uh, in, in business and the little mm-hmm. mom and pop shops. Shut down. They got sh- shut down. And, and it, it makes me angry because I know how much money I lost in my business and how much money people lost. And they don't even seem to care, the people in power, mm-hmm. because they keep getting voted in and they get all the fringe benefits and they get all the insider trading things that they're allowed. Mm-hmm. But me and you aren't. Nope. It's a great life, isn't mm-hmm. it, if you get reelected to it? Uh, you know, it's you know, it, you, if you look at it this way, too, right, you brought up a point before about what got you there. Now, I'm just going to go and I'm going to use an analogy here where you see this a lot with sports teams, right? They're in a game, a big game, and they're winning, 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 winning. Okay? They're doing a certain thing and they're winning. Let's let's maybe uh let's maybe compare that to like capitalism, winning, winning, winning. And then all of a sudden, they say, "Gosh, we're here." And then they change their tactic. And what happens a lot of times? They wind up losing. So if we're sitting here focusing on a, a capitalism, self-reliance, things like that, and then all of a sudden we're doing wokeness, socialism, things like that, what's going to happen? Where are we going to go? Are we going to continue to flourish? Are we, why aren't we doing – why don't we continue to do what got us to where we are instead of changing gears to appease you know, the, the woke society, the woke group? So, you know – these are all things that that bring a society down. Like like you said, every great society. Look at what happened. Look at what happened in Greece, uh, the Roman Empire, through all the decadence the and British all, Empire. The British Empire. I mean, look what happened to all of them. They all collapsed, and you know what? They rotted from inside. Yeah. So you know, we've seen the enemy, and they is us. When when I um when I uh we all realized that. Uh, everybody now is like legalizing marijuana. Right. Like I told you, I was at Woodstock at 16 mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. So I was one of those dopey rebellious kids, but I learned at 19 years old, this is not the path for me anymore. Yeah. So when I saw that le- marijuana now is being legalized, everybody thinks, oh, it's not a big deal. To me, it is a big deal because mm-hmm. I've seen the dark side. Okay. And there's other people out there like an alcoholic too. Mm-hmm. Once you become, you see the dark side, you can't go back and think it's fun. Um, there is definitive proof now that marijuana has a lot of THC in it. And it's totally different from pot that was back in the 60s and 70s. Two and it interferes with cognitive reasoning skills, <laughs> IQ. So I look at it at the government likes the fact that we're legalizing marijuana, just like they like the fact that Alcohol is legalized because it's all a way to keep us quiet, subdued, and not a little hazy compliant. and compliant so mm-hmm. that we don't really know what's going on. Well, you know, we want uh, to, uh, it was our last episode, right? Mm-hmm. Where we, we, we addressed that. So you got you to check that out. Seems like you were either listening to it or on it somehow. <laughs> um, but, you know, these are one of the many ills of society. But, um, you know, we as a group, we have to be, not be afraid to speak up. And this is one of the reasons we do this podcast. You know, it's about self-defense, self-reliance, self-protection. And, and as Americans, that's what made us great. And we want to continue that. But Tony, you know, uh, it was a true pleasure to have you on the podcast. You're, you're a great voice. 
And, um, you know, just, just keep spreading the word and we'll just keep doing what we're doing. And thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's nice to hear that somebody is interested in struggle sometimes. And I want to remind everybody about the struggles that men had too. Sometimes I think women forget about the struggles that a lot of men have had in their lives too. So I'm, you know, it happens to everybody sometime in their lives. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. All right, Doug. Great stuff, guys. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys for watching another round of Master Phil in your corner. Strength and honor. <laughs>